Good morning, everybody. Good morning to those who are watching online right now, uh, around the country and around the world, and gathered in your homes, and in small gatherings, and even on college campuses. We are so glad that you're, uh, you're a part of us. Uh, we love you, and we're really glad you're there. Something else I want to say is just uh, bless those of you who are in our, our congregation that are watching at home because you're sick. And I know there's a big, big, big flu and virus going around, and we just pray that you're feeling better as well. You know, you think about it, uh, that probably the biggest uh, teaching method that Jesus had was the parable. And a parable is simply a story that he made up, and the story had a, it's something that everybody could relate to about normal life, and it had a spiritual message to it. And you think about that uh, really movies and uh, songs a lot of times can be modern day, they can be modern day parables, can't they? In fact, we're going to take a look, what we just saw the song that he just sang right there. Uh, we're going to take a look at that song to, today, uh, something just like this, because I think there's a real, first time I ever heard the song, I thought, man, there's a real spiritual message in this. So this message is for anybody in here, everybody that's listening right now, that don't feel like you're quite adequate enough, that there's something that you want to be more than you are right now. Maybe you're, you're not the man that you want to be, not the woman you want to be, not the husband you want to be, not the wife you want to be, not the mom you want to be, not the dad you want to be, not the, that there's just something you just you don't feel like you have the, the, the looks that other people have or the size that other people have. You're too young. You're too old. You're too big. You're too small. You're too not smart enough. You're not sharp enough. Whatever it is that you're feeling just a little bit inadequate. And that's probably most of us that's, uh, that's hearing this right now. Because we really we live in a society that is obsessed with superheroes. If you don't believe me, just look at the, the biggest money makers in, in movies in the last decade. And you have the, the Batman series. You have Superman, you have you have Spider-Man, you have Ant-Man, you have you have Iron Man, you have you know you you have the Avengers, you have you have Wonder Woman, you have Black Panther coming out, you have uh, X-Men, you have Avengers, all this, and and here's the thing, I wondered why why are we so obsessed with superheroes? And I asked some people that, and I thought they came up with a great answer. They basically said, you know, we're just hungry that, to realize that there's something bigger and badder than the evil that's out there. That someday that, that good will win. Someday right will, the, the rights will be, the wrongs will be right and, and that someday this will all, it'll all be better. And you think about that and that's really, we have uh, a, a savior that is a true superhero, don't we? I mean, as Christians, we serve the ultimate superhero, which is so cool. I mean, he's a superhero that cannot be defeated, has never been defeated. He doesn't have uh, an aversion to kryptonite, you know, or anything like that. He can't be shot in the heel and be destroyed. He can't have any of these. And he's beaten the ultimate villain when you think about it. He's destroyed the ultimate villain on the cross. And there will be a day someday where all wrongs will be right. And all, all the, and, and, and good will prevail in the end. But until that time, something about it is we look at superheroes, we realize we're not superheroes. We're not. We don't have what it takes. We don't have what they take. And we feel inadequate because of that. And the song that we just sang that's uh, from Coldplay, it's basically saying this, that there's a guy singing and he says, and he says, I'm not a superhero. I'm not a superhero, but I love the response from the lady of saying, hey, that's fine because I'm not looking for a superhero. I'm just looking for somebody that's real and I'm just looking for somebody who's here and I'm looking for somebody just like you. And I believe maybe that's the message that God has for us today. And here's the, what the words of the song go if you weren't able to, to hear it. It said this, I've been looking, I've been reading books of 
of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold, Hercules and his gifts, Spider-Man's control, and Batman with his fists. And clearly, I don't see myself upon that list. But she said, what do you want to go? How much you want to risk? I'm not looking for someone with superhero gifts. Some superhero, some fairy tale bliss, just somebody I can turn to, somebody I can kiss. I want something just like this. And I was, out, I was playing miniature golf with some of the, some of the guys in the youth group. And, and the song came on the, the radio. And, and a lot of them said, man, I love this song. And, and there's something. What is it about this song that hits us? It's maybe not the beat and things. I think it's the, the words that we can relate to to that we're not a superhero. We, we, we're, we're not who we want to be in this world. We're not the person that we want to be no matter who that is. And we realize that because here's the thing, we have our failure resume, don't we? Every single one of us, we have that resume that we've made ourselves. And we put the, everything on the list that we've ever done stupid, every failure that we've ever done, every time we've, we've, we've not you know, gone up to the plate and, and, and struck out instead of hit a home run. We've put that on this list and we have that list and it's volumes long. And Satan uses that list all the time, doesn't he? And he uses that list and he says, see, you're never going to be the person you want to be. You're never going to be the person that God wants you to be. You're never, in fact, you know, think about all you've done. Think about what you've said. Think about what you've thought. God could never use you like he's used other people. And we believe that. We fall for that hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because, because what we look at, we, we look all the things we're not. And we fail to look at what God says we are right now. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses that, uh, that, that we could read hundreds that apply to this. Just take a look at a, at a couple, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to hear these words, and you're probably going to go, yeah, that applies to other people, but that doesn't apply to me. I mean, that's not who, that's not who I am. There's other people that are superheroes, but it's not me. And here's the, here's the words. The first one is from Psalm 139. Listen to these words. And if, if you argue with this, you're arguing with God, what he says about you, not what I say about you. You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was being formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was even one day old. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. The next time you go to the beach, maybe look at the grains of sand on the, on the beach and go, man, God's thoughts towards me, God's good thoughts to me, they outnumber even, even this. And, uh, and Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you hear what it's saying? It's saying you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. And God has an incredible plan for your life. God has things that he wants you to do. That he were, you were fine-tuned and created to make a difference in this, uh, in, in this world. And here's the thing that a lot of times we look at the, at the heroes of our faith and we think, man, they're way up here and I'm way down here and I'd never be there. I could never be what they are. And they, they had their acts so together and they did so much for God and they were just these amazing people and I'm not this amazing person. And, and you know, you look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is this amazing chapter in the Bible. And this chapter talks about the heroes of our faith. It talks about the Davids. It talks about the... Uh, the 
the, the Moses and the, the Abrahams of our faith. And they really are superheroes. I mean, they're just incredible people that should be up on, on that pedestal because they're just amazing. But you take a look at them. And one thing I love about the Bible is it shows people the way they really are. It shows the heroes warts and all. It shows their problems and their, and their success. It shows their, their, their failures and it shows their, their victories. It shows, it shows them as they really are, as, as real people. And yeah, they were amazing people, but they had their struggles too. You take a look at Noah. I mean, Noah was this, you know, this righteous man in his generation is what the Bible says. And yet he got so drunk, so slobber knocked drunk one time that he was naked in front of his own, in front of his own kids. How about, how about Abraham? Abraham was, was a liar. We have at least two times where he lied to save his skin, even putting his wife at risk in the, in the process. Then there's, then there's Moses. How about this for a rap sheet? He killed somebody. I mean, Moses, mighty man of God, Moses killed somebody. Rahab, who's in that faith chapter, she was a prostitute. And you take a look at David. David had an affair with Bathsheba, and then he had her husband killed to, to cover it up. I mean, he was an adulterer and a murderer. How about look at, how about look at Peter? I mean, let's go to the New Testament. Peter was in one day. Let's look at one day what he did. And here was a guy that was going to be used to write the Bible, some, uh, some books in the Bible. He was going to be the pillar of the faith after Jesus left. And look what he did even in one night. One night Jesus, uh, he, uh, he, was, he was sleeping when he should have been praying, Peter was. When, when Jesus said, please stay with me for a little while. And then he cut off some guy's ear that he wasn't supposed to do. And then when, when Jesus needed him the most, he bolted with all the other disciples. And then when, when people asked him, hey, do you even know him? He, not only did he deny that he even knew who he was, he did it three times. He swore that he didn't even know who Jesus was. How about Mary Magdalene? She was the first person that was going to see Jesus in the resurrection. And the Bible says that seven demons were cast out of her before she came to faith in Jesus Christ. How about, how about Paul, who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament? How about his resume? You know what his was? Was he arrested, and he tortured, and he killed Christians before he became one? I mean, I love the fact that, 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 this isn't, that these weren't people that, that God used because they were superhuman. God used them because they had incredible faith, and they trusted God even despite their failures, even despite their frustrations, even despite who they, they were. And they weren't who they wanted to be, but they were exactly who God needed them to be at that moment. And I love reading about the heroes of our faith in Christian biographies. I love reading that. It inspires me so much. But the one thing that you notice about them is they were people just like us. They had doubt storms just like we do. They, they, they struggled with temptation just like we do. There were times they were so discouraged they felt like giving up just like, just like we do. They weren't the people they wanted to be, but apparently they were exactly who God needed them to be at the moment. They weren't superheroes. But there were people just like this. And something that I, uh, is you take a look at even, even one person there, and, uh, and that's Moses. Moses, uh, talk, about, talk about somebody that you and I probably would not pick to lead our people out of captivity. I mean, think of it. He was, here was a guy that God was going to use. He could pick anybody to lead his people out of captivity from Egypt. And he picked a guy, picture this. He picked a stutterer who was a shepherd in the backwoods of, I mean, the back part of the desert and had a murder on his rap sheet. 
And that's who God picks. And I can't imagine, imagine, imagine that you were Moses and God leads you out and you know, I mean, think about how many excuses he came out with. He's saying, I'm not the person. Oh, I'm not the person. I'm not the person. Please pick somebody else because I'm not the person. And yet God says, here's what I want you to do. He led the people out and then he's standing before the Red Sea. Now here's the problem. The Egyptian army is behind them. That's the strongest army of the day and they are come to, come to do one thing and that's to bring the people back into captivity, to recapture them, bring them back into slavery. That's what they wanted to do. And God says to Moses, God says, take your rod and stretch it over the Red Sea. Stretch it over there and what's going to happen is the sea is going to part and my people are going to walk through on, God, on dry land. And that's exactly what he does. He stretches out the, the rod and the sea parts. Now, can you imagine if you were Moses and that happens and that's you and you stretch out something and you see this miracle happening because you did something that God told you to, to do? Imagine what's going through your mind because I'm, I'm thinking this, I'm going, who am I that, that, that this is happening through me, that God's doing this through me? Who am I? And here's, I bet what he was thinking too. I bet he was thinking, this is incredible. The same hands that Satan used to kill somebody is now used for a miracle. You know why I, I believe he does that? Because I do that probably just about every Sunday. It blows me away that God can use the same tongue that is cursed or that is slandered, that is gossiped, that has been used in negative ways, that God can use that same tongue to bring hope, hopefully to a couple thousand people every, every week. And all I can do is shake my head and go, God, your mercy is incredible and your grace because I don't understand it, God, because that wouldn't use me. And, you know, here's Moses. Moses wasn't the person he wanted to be, but he was exactly who God needed him to be. He wasn't a superhero, but he was someone just like, just like this. And, and I, I, I thought there, too, is, uh, you know, that the one thing I know about you, okay, even though I may not know you personally, I know something about you. I don't think you'd be here unless you wanted God to use you in some way. You wanted to know God and God to, to use you to make a difference in this world. There's something inside of us that needs significance. There's something inside of us that we want this world to be a better place because we walk this world, because we walk this, that the world's not the, quite the same, that it's a little bit better because we've, uh, we've been here. So how does that happen? I think, uh, I think Lenny did a great job at the start of the year of saying what we need to be is fat. We need to be faithful, we need to be available, and we need to be teachable. And if we're those three things, God can use us in ways we never dream. And I want to take a look especially at one of those, and that's just the word available. Because there's a story in the Bible, there's a guy by the name of, uh, of Isaiah. Now, now picture this, imagine you're just sitting there here, and all of a sudden God takes you into heaven. I mean, God takes you into heaven and doesn't just take you there, he shows you his glory. And that's exactly what happened to Isaiah. And he is blown away as we would be. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on, first of all, that uh, Isaiah's response to this, to seeing God. Then I want you to, to, to focus on God's response to, Is, uh, to Isaiah's response. And then I want you to focus on Isaiah's response to God's response to his response. All right? So here it is. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. 
and his train and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined from a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Do you get the picture? Isaiah is seeing God in all his glory, and he is blown away, and he's going, he is realizing, he's seeing God in his holiness, and he's going, I'm not holy. And he's seeing God in all his greatness, he's going, I'm not great. And he's seeing God in all his splendor, and he's going, I'm nothing. God, I'm nothing, and, and my lips are nothing, and, and God, I've, I've so sinned before you, and, and whoa, God, I'm, I'm, I'm undone. And watch what God does as a response. He says, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, he has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I love this, that just like us, Isaiah wasn't who he needed to be or should have been, but he was exactly who God needed him to be. So what is his response? How is he going to respond to this incredible gift of forgiveness, even though he doesn't deserve it? Watch what he does. I love this in verse 8. Then I heard the voice in heaven saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, Here am I. Send me. I love his response. And he's saying, Look, I'm not the person I, I want to be. I'm not the person I'm going to be, but, but I'm making myself available to you, God. I'm making myself available. And if you can use this, I'm not a superhero. And God says, perfect. It's exactly who I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a superhero. I'm looking for someone just like you. And here's the thing that we need to understand is when we make ourselves available to, to do what no one else is willing to do, God can use us to do things no one else can do. Let me say that again. When we are willing to do what no one else is willing to do, God can use us to do what no one else can do. And here's a story we did to, today is, is we're giving food for backpack buddies. And here's some, one of the people that are ministering in that area. Again, you're going to see not a superhero, but somebody who God uses in amazing ways. and my family and I have been coming to Crossroads Church for about 12 years now. Uh, I am currently um, a coordinator for the Backpack Buddy program. The Backpack Buddy program was started in 2013 uh, by a church member um, whose name was Stacy Woodward. Uh, like most ministries, it was one created out of necessity. Stacy uh, was a public educator and she was finding that many of her students would often come to school uh, lethargic, listless, and just out of sorts. And after doing uh, some research and investigation, she found out that they just didn't have enough to eat. Um, they came from homes where food insecurity was a very big issue. And so she approached uh, Crossroads with this idea to create Backpack Buddy. And like always, uh, Crossroads sprang into action and it was born. Uh, currently, during a, a typical school year, we usually service between 20 and 23 families. And we do that by, um, every week we pack a backpack full of items, uh, food items that the, the child can take home and share with their family uh, in hopes that it kind of supplements uh, what they currently have and you know, helps them to get hopefully more, more to eat and uh, you know, feel better about themselves and their situation. Uh, I got involved in it 
because I was, I felt like God was telling me I needed to do more. I needed to, I, I come to church every Sunday, I, you know, I, I, I tithe, but I felt like he was telling me I needed to get off the sidelines and I needed to do more with my time and I needed to give back in a, in a more physical, meaningful way. And so I remember, it was really quite funny, I was, I said a prayer one night, I said, God, I'm, I'm open, I want to help, I want to serve, you tell me where. And the very next morning, there was an email Nancy friend asking uh, for someone to volunteer to coordinate the program and I thought well that's really fast <laughs> um, and so I, I've been doing it uh, this year and it, it's been um, very very impactful for me uh, sometimes it's difficult uh, to sort of wrap your head around the fact that there are kids in my my own kids school that don't have enough to eat and that's a very foreign concept to me and my family um, and so it's tough and it's hard, but at the same time, I understand that where there's sorrow and struggling, God is there with a solution. We just have to listen. Um, and I, I feel like that's what, what we're doing with the Backpack Bro uh, Buddy Program. We're seeing a need and we're feeling that need. Um, and it's, it's been rewarding not only for me, but for my family. My, my husband and my kids have gotten involved in the program as well. Uh, when we go to the store, they remind me, hey, we need this item for the pantry. Get some of that. Um, my kids love to help me pack the bags. They love to help me deliver them. Uh, so it's been a really, I think, I feel like we've grown spiritually as a family. And we, we have learned and understand the importance of making ourselves available um, to God and letting Him lead us and direct us and telling us where the, where the need is. And we step in and we fill that void. And I'm very grateful that I've had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, amen. Not a superhero. Someone who simply made themselves available that God is using and impact a couple dozen lives of families every single, every single week. You know, when I was writing this message, uh, somebody came up to me, and they've been struggling for a long time with just things going on in their family. I mean, just one thing after the other after the other. This person's been through a lot. And I said, how are you making it? And I said, through God and through, through the people at the church. The church has been amazing to me. And I said, give me an example of what somebody's done. They said, well, for it, they said they've just cared. I said, give me an example. And they said, somebody came up to my door, just knocked on my door and gave me a hug. And I'm thinking, wow, that's all it took was somebody to give them a hug. And that made a difference in their life. And I know what that means. Because I remember one time when I was doing my dad's funeral a few, uh, a few years ago in Seagrove, North Carolina. And uh, a bunch of guys from Crossroads came to the service, drove an hour and a half one way, who didn't even know my dad, simply to be with me. And I'll tell you, I don't remember what they said. There wasn't anything they said that made me go, oh, wow, you know, I don't hurt anymore. Thank you so much. But here's what they, and they probably felt just as inadequate as you and I do when we go to somebody at a funeral and just, what do you say? What do you, you know, what do you do? What do you say at that time? But here's, they were exactly, they were probably not what they wanted to be. They were exactly who I needed them to be at that moment. They were somebody just, I just needed some bros there to be with me. And that's what they, that's what they were. You know, I think about, um, I think about a time when I was seven years old and my, my parents invited uh, several people over for a Christmas party and invited my, my pastor, Reverend Hernard. Uh, remember, I'm seven or eight years old at this time and I had just learned, I had just learned how to play poker. And so I, uh, I invited Reverend Hernard into another room away from everybody 
everybody to play poker. So I'm sitting there for probably 15 minutes, and all of a sudden we could hear people in the other room going, where's Reverend Hernard? And so suddenly everybody came in and saw him playing poker with me, and everybody laughed, and my mom was embarrassed, and said, oh, I'm so sorry, and I'll never forget what Reverend Hernard did. First he defended me, and then he, and then he said, he looked at me and he said, thank you so much for inviting me to play with you. And I had just felt a call into the ministry at that time when I was in second or third grade. And, and I remember thinking at that moment, of, I want to be the kind of pastor that will play poker with a seven-year-old kid in a back room. And all because, you know what, to me he was a hero. And not because he did anything spectacular. All he did was make himself available. You know, I remember the first time I ever shared my faith with somebody. I'd just become a Christian a few, a few months before. And I remember there was, a, there was a, a, a girl that I came up to and I met. I just felt like God was saying, share, share what has happened in your life. And I shared, I shared my testimony with her. And I want to tell you this. It was the worst presentation of the gospel there ever was in world history. And you're saying, oh, lol, it couldn't have been that bad. What, picture the worst thing you could think of. Multiply it by infinity to the tenth power. That's how bad this was. I mean, I came back from that going, she's going to hell and it's my fault. She's going, it was terrible. I mean, it was, I mean, I was like mortified of what I, and I remember, I'll never forget a year later, I get a letter from her saying, I just want you to know that conversation we had changed my life. And I gave my life to Jesus shortly after that. And I thought, if God can use that, if God can use the worst presentation ever, I thought he could have used a reasonably trained monkey that day, right? And I thought, here's the thing. I thought, all I did was make myself available. I didn't, I didn't do, I was, ever, I was not anything what I wanted to be that day. But apparently, simply because I was available, I was everything God needed me or wanted me to be that day. I wasn't a superhero, but God apparently just wanted somebody just like, just like this. There's a story in the Bible that I, uh, that I love that's just kind of there, this hidden jewel. And, and maybe you feel like you're never en- enough or adequate, that you don't have the gifts it takes, or you don't have the talents enough or everything. But I love this picture about, uh, about Peter and John. This is shortly after the day of Pentecost. And they said, one day Peter, remember just a few days before, a couple months before, he had pretended he didn't even know who Jesus was. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, no man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And first, I wonder how many people passed them by that day, that very day, just like they always did. That, that, that you know what, sometimes we can go by people or we can see them, and we can look at them or we can really see them. You know what I mean? And then Peter said, to, said look at us. I mean, this beggar had such a low self-esteem, he didn't even look, he wasn't even looking at people that he was begging from. So the man gave him his attention, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. Walking and jumping and praising God. 
When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging in the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. In reality, we are every single person in this story, aren't we? We are the beggar because every single one of us are broken in our own way. And it's time we just admit that we need a Savior, we need a, a Lord. But here we're also Peter. You may not feel like, like, like Peter in this, but here's the, here's the thing. I love what Peter did. He didn't focus on what he didn't have. He focused on what he did have. What didn't he have? He didn't have any coin. What did he have? He had the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit inside of him. And he had the name of Jesus Christ. And that's all he needed. You know, if you're a believer today, that's the same thing you have. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you have the name of Jesus. And you have the same, you have the same thing that, that you, can, you can deliver just like they did. You can heal just like they did. You can, you can make a difference. You can bring hope. You can bring love to people just like they did. Because you've got the same thing. You may not have silver and gold. But what you have, you can change this world with. And here's the thing that maybe you're here today and you're going, and you're going, well, first of all, they didn't have what they wanted that day, but they had everything they needed. And maybe you're here and you're going, you know what, I've never really been involved in a ministry before. And you've meant to and you've had a thousand excuses and you've said, you know, and, 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 but, and there's just hadn't been the time or you've just not, you felt inadequate or whatever, whatever it is. And the weeks have gone by and the months have gone by and maybe even the years have gone by and no, there's nobody's different because of that. And yet there's this burning inside of you to be significant, to make a difference in lives, and yet you've never taken that step to, of which that's going to happen, to be involved in a ministry, to say, to say I'm, a, I'm available. And, and maybe, maybe you're here today, or maybe you used to be involved in a ministry, and you used to have a ministry, and your testimony, you have a great testimony in the past, but you don't have a fresh testimony of what God is using you, how He's using you right now. And somebody, I'm speaking to somebody right now. Um, but here's the thing. Maybe God's just telling you to be a grush, an usher or a greeter today. And I'll tell you, you may think that's just a job of, you know, saying hi to everybody. I'm telling you, I look forward every week. I went to church, a big reason to be a one, to, to see one, uh, one usher every week. Because I knew this guy treated me like a king every week. And he treated me like I was the, I was the even when I was a six, seven-year-old kid. And I wanted to see him every day because every week I was going to feel loved. Every week I was going to feel important because there was an usher who did that. There was a greeter who did that. And maybe you're just going to be a greeter and it may not seem like that much. But maybe the first time a person walks through this door and they've never been to church in their life. Or they've come back to church after being burnt from church for so long. And all they need is just to feel loved and accepted. And that's what you are there. Or maybe they've had a horrible, horrible week and just one smile made all the difference in the world. Or maybe God's calling you to, to be involved in the children's ministry and you're going to be there and you may not have all that gifts or things that you think, but you're just going to give a cup of cold water and because you did that, there's a kid, a kid that believes in God and there's going to be a foundation in their, in their life that they're going to stand with even when all hell breaks loose in their life. They're going to remember that Sunday school teacher. They're going to remember that person that loved them in Sunday school because I remember that, the people that loved me in Sunday school too. And then I, or or maybe, maybe God's calling you to, to help with the, with the youth group and Zach told me that there, was, that there was a need for men there, especially. And maybe these people, you know, because there's, there's young men in, the, in a youth group that they've had bad examples of what it means. Because, because dad's the person who does this, or dad's the person that does that. It's not been the best example, or, or any men in their, in their life. And, and suddenly there's going to be an example, not a perfect example, but an example of what it means to love God, or loves their family, loves, the, loves their kids. There's going to be an example there, and you're going to change that kid's life because they're going to go, okay, I can be like that. Not because you're perfect because you're available. And I don't know what God is telling you to do, but here's the thing that I really believe that God is, is saying, that you're saying, I'm not a superhero, and he's going, 
perfect. You're exactly the person I'm looking for. Thank you.